Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. host Ryan Blackburn and boy do we have an ep- great episode today for you guys really excited about this one this is episode three we are recording this on a Monday night set to come out soon on next or this Wednesday and I'm here to introduce my f- for the first time to Nuggets Numbers fellow Denver Stiffs writer extraordinaire Mr. Zach Mikosh Zach how are you doing today I am. I'm doing well, Ryan. I'm excited. Episode three. I, you know, my, uh, uh, I don't even remember episode three, but I'm sure it was, it was far, uh, far less sophisticated than yours is going to be. So um, I happy that you had me on. I doubt it, man. Hey, the, the pickaxe has been going strong for a long time. So glad that we can cross over with you today and have you on my podcast for the first time because I've, I've been on the pickaxe a number of times to uh, to clearly elevate the profile over there. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm here to drag yours down gotta, uh, a little bit. Got to take some shots in there while I can. So, uh, well, you know how this works. If you don't, if at home, you can play along as well. But the first segment that we are going to do is guess the nugget. What I'm going to do with Zach is I'm going to give him various hints. And after every hint, he has an opportunity to guess who the player is that we will talk about. And then we'll give them a a few minutes. We'll give them a few minutes of our time. Talk about them, how they're, how they're doing this season. Uh, Next thing that we're going to do is talk about the lineup combinations for the Nuggets this year, seeing if we could discern anything from the data that's come along so far. And after that, I want to talk about some of the... We're going to play another game. We'll go around the league and see what's going on there. So when you're ready, Zach, we'll play Guess the Nugget. All right, I am am ready. I I want everybody to know that right before we go on the show, Ryan's like, yeah, I... uh, you know, I decided to make it a lot harder now, so <laughs> this is I, I don't want anybody to come out thinking that I'm just the fool here on, on Nuggets numbers. If, so if that's probably true anyways. If you missed the first two episodes, uh Gordon Gross and Daniel Lewis both guessed the correct player on the first try, particularly because I screwed up giving them way too easy hints. So we're going a little bit more difficult with Zach. Alright, so are you ready, Mr. Mikosh? I'm ready. All right, so the first hint is that this player has accumulated less than 10 turnovers on the year. Oh, less than 10. Um, less than 10. I uh, this is this is tough. I uh, I uh, I want to see I want to guess. I'm going to guess Monty Morris cuz I know he doesn't have very many. I knew you would say that and you are wrong. The answer is not Monty Morris. 
Though it is a good guess. He has been exceptional, exceptional in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio for the Nuggets this year. All right, the next hint is that this player is fourth on the team in total offensive rebounds in seven with 17. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, let's go with Juancho Hernan Gomez. That's the run. That is the one. So congratulations, you have guessed Juancho. Juancho has been great, man. He uh, the last hint was more than fifty percent of his field goal attempts were behind the arc. Uh, and the only two players that satisfied all of these categories were Wancho Hernan Gomez and Tory Craig, uh, surprisingly enough. So if you had guessed Tory Craig, I would not have been surprised. I would have been surprised, though, for uh, oh, it just seems like Tory Craig would have had more turnovers than just 10 so far this season. He's, he's such a low usage player that we kind of forget that uh, – even though the turnovers seem a little bit bigger than they are, he's actually accumulated less on the year. Uh, but let's talk about Wancho. Wancho's been an excellent player, and probably the biggest difference between him and Torrey Craig this this season so far has been the spacing. Uh, Torrey Craig, he started the year uh, not playing, but when Will Barton went down, basically assumed the starting role for Will Barton. And he's probably... Probably not the best scenario for him. He was the he's so far as the only rotation player in the Nuggets rotation with a negative net rating of minus two point one. Uh, Torrey Craig shot sixteen percent from three during that time. Right. It was just not a not a great fit. Wancho is now he has now assumed the starting lineup position, and so I thought it would be prudent to talk about him. Uh, so far. Uh, Nominal start, nominal points, rebounds, assists, average, but he's averaging 20.2 minutes to start the year. He played 30 minutes in his first start on at small forward on Sunday, and he's shooting 44% on the year from three. Uh, so is this kind of what you expected from Juancho Hernan Gomez to start the year? Well, you know, I think he's actually, I think he's shooting probably a little bit better than you even would expect. The thing is, is he's not taken a ton of threes per game right now, but that's probably a lot has been related because he just hasn't been getting as many minutes, right? Whereas we saw when he started that game against Milwaukee, he gets, uh, uh, I think he had what, th- about 30 minutes. So a- as he gets more minutes, he'll get more opportunities and-, and he'll start taking more three-point attempts. I would not have picked him to be as as good as he's been from three-point land. He's shooting 44% uh, from outside, which is phenomenal. I, I think that'll come back down uh, as he, like I said, as he takes more attempts and he gets more minutes. But but he, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's nice to see him and him and Malik Beasley, both these guys were, were players that you weren't sure, are they going to be part of the long-term plan of the Nuggets? And when you look to Wancho, you're like, all right, well, this guy's got to be able to be at least passable on defense. And then he's got to be, if he's a 40% three-point shooter, then boom, we've got a spot for him on this team. That's basically what he's doing this year. So uh, it, it's it's I, I guess it's a small, pleasant surprise because I think when we started the season, we weren't sure about these two guys uh, and whether or not they were going to be able to make that leap to be a, a, a more of a long-term part of the future. And, and you touched on the passable defense. I think that that's really come to fruition this season, something that, that he hasn't really done in his first two years. Right, right. He, uh, I mean, you know, that's, 
it, it still it still remains to be seen, though, right? Yeah, no, I, I I think it's still early in the year. This is his first time that he's really starting and and playing the small forward position where he has to guard a lot more players off the dribble. I personally thought he did a decent job against Chris Middleton during the Milwaukee Bucks game. Uh, we will have sure. the Nuggets will have played against uh, James Harden and the Houston Rockets in on Tuesday night after this podcast or before this podcast has come out on Wednesday. So I think we'll definitely get a lot more information from that one as well. But thus far, I thought that Wancho's uh, done a decent job. I look at the defense he played against Kyle Korver in his big game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Korver only attempted one shot during that game, and they were trying to run him off screens basically the entire time he was out there, and Wancho stayed with him. So I think that there's there's definitely potential for him to be there and to be a reasonable option going forward. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you think that Wancho's the best three-point shooter on the team right now? Mm, that's you know that, that's a, that's actually a really good question. Um, I I'm trying to think who would challenge him because you know Gary Harris and Jamal Murray have struggled this past week or so. Um, Jokic is I don't, is, I don't think it's this past too, week either. Like this is really more this past month. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Gary got off to a really hot start. Uh, Jamal's been very up and down. Um, Jokic has been too tentative at the three-point line uh, to really to to give him any sort of to I think put him in that conversation. So, um, yeah, you I mean you, it's a good point. It, it probably is Wancho. I mean he shoots the best uh, out of anybody at least. And and the thing about when you tie it back into the passable defenses, what we're seeing out of Wancho that we haven't necessarily seen out of the, uh, some of the other guys on the team is he's he's giving that effort on defense and with his length and you know and, and the fact that he's a young guy he's got enough speed that 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 almost alone uh, just with the effort will give him uh, a, a good enough a good enough game on the defensive end but he's the guy who's putting forth that effort like everyone else is and not seeing a fall off in his shooting efficiency where we're seeing a lot of the other guys are tending to struggle like we talked about with the backcourt watch us shooting the shooting the ball uh, as good as he's ever shot at at least from three-point land uh, speaking so uh, there's there's something to be said there about about this guy about him being you know a uh, more of a complete player now will he be the best three-point shooter on the team Again, we're gonna see. We're gonna we're fixing to find out, right? Because he's gonna get a lot more shots um, as we move forward, provided that he continues to stay in the starting lineup at least until Will Barton comes back. We're gonna get to know here, but over the next four or five weeks or so, um, if Wancho can be uh, the be- the top three point threat on the team, because that that role alone, passable defender um, and and forty percent plus three point shooter, that role alone. Uh, is something that that every team needs, and and the Nuggets don't have it with anybody else. One of the biggest problems that Denver's had so far with their their starting unit, and we'll touch on this a little bit later too, was that they opponents really forced Denver to to utilize Torrey Craig in a way that he had to make those threes, and he couldn't do it. He he just wasn't right. able to do it in that way. Uh, something that Wancho, yeah, sixteen percent is is not great, Bob. Uh, but Wancho in that <laughs> Wancho in that way 
is is far more dangerous and he's somebody that I don't think the opposing team is going to dare them to make shots in that way. He will he will have those opportunities and he's proven that he can knock them down in basically any situation. So it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, going forward. Do you think he'll be the starting small forward until Barton returns? Uh, you know, I mean, Coach talked about how he might play he might play the matchups uh, in night in, night out. And, and so a game against Milwaukee, you could see how that matchup, uh, you want maybe a little bit more length uh, with Chris Middleton. You'll, you Using Wancho out there gives you more ability to switch on Giannis uh, in, in pick and roll situations. So I, I could see, I guess, now, you know, against uh, the Houston Rockets, which uh, I'm not sure who you I mean, Houston's got so much weird things going on now with – uh, with the whole mellow scenario, who did who does Houston start at small forward? You know, I was just thinking. I think they start James Ennis, but I could be wrong. Uh, James Ennis really is a he's a six foot eight guy, uh, very much a a standstill shooting threat. Uh, not gonna be that big of a deal against him. They have started Eric Gordon in the past, but yeah, James Ennis has started every game he's played in so far. Gotcha. So yeah, that I mean that if if you're talking about a guy like that, I mean you could see maybe Malik Beasley might be a player um, that gives that gives them a, a, a matchup they like a little bit more in there. And th- but that's the only thing I could see him going back for. I don't think he's going back to Tory Craig. I think it's gonna be between Beasley and Wancho, and and that would be the only way he might go back and forth between those two guys until Barton comes back. Fair enough. Uh, what about after Barton returns? What do you see Wancho's role being going forward? That's going to be tough for, for Coach to figure out. He's going to have a lot to figure out with Barton coming back. And then, of course, Isaiah Thomas when he comes back too, just because those guys, you know, you can shift guys around on the wings, uh, guys like a Malik Beasley, uh, guys like a Torrey Craig. Uh, and when you get when you get those, even a guy like Isaiah Thomas who's going to play point guard, you know he's going to push. So he's going to probably push Jamal Murray uh, more minutes into into playing at the two guard, uh, which means Barton's going to play more three guard or not three guard. He's going to play more small forward. Um, right. You're going to see. I mean, they're going to want. He's probably going to not. It's going to be hard to bench Monty Morris. So you're going to probably see some situations where you might play Isaiah Thomas and Monty Morris together, which means you know, maybe Gayer Harris is playing the three or something like that. So they're going to get squeezed on minutes. But I think right now, at least, it looks like Wancho. I think you know they're going to somebody's going to be on the outside looking in, and it's it's going to be probably Tory Craig. I think one. Um, and then I think possibly even a second player, and that's going to be between Wancho or Malik Beasley. Right now, I think Wancho's got the uh, the inside track to keep that minutes and being maybe a, a 20 minute or so per game guy off the bench, bring, gives them some shooting off the bench, can come in at power forward to play in some smaller lineups, can go in small forward, uh, obviously, in bigger lineups. You know, and 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 that's that's some versatility that the Nuggets would like. It's just going to be a matter of which guy which guy can defend between him and Beasley. Which one does coach trust late in games, and and then that's going to be the guy who ends up getting the minutes once everybody starts getting healthy. You mentioned him occasionally going to the power forward position and and having the flexibility to be able to do that. One tidbit that I I want to bring up here: you didn't even mention Trey Lyles going to the bench and and right. and sitting down. 
Uh, of the 166 players so far in the NBA to shoot 30 plus threes, uh, Wancho has been incredible, as we know. Uh, 21st in the NBA in three-point percentage thus far. 21 out of 166 is really good. Trey Lyles is last. He is dead last with Ouch. 166 out of 166, 22.7% from three. And and while that, that seems a little bit, that seems really, really bad, it has crept up as if even if you can say that over the past couple of games with how he's shot the ball. But it stands to reason if Lyles' three-point shot does not come back to reality where it needs to be, uh, couldn't Wancho spend some time at power forward? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If that, you know, if, if these things hold and you see Wancho continue to shoot 44% from the free throw, or not from the free throw line, from the three-point line it's and Lyles shoot... Yeah, yeah, that would be rough. Those are Mason Plumley numbers. Um, who's who's one one hundred percent from the uh, three point line? There's some Nuggets numbers for you <laughs> <laughs> this season. <clears throat> but um, you know, I mean, if Wancho keeps up above above forty percent, and Trey Lyles is is hovering around the even even low thirties, and, and you're getting a squeeze for minutes. Then sure, you could absolutely see him taking some some minutes again. Though it's got to come down to which one of these guys can play defense. Trace got a little bit more, uh, a little bit bit better build to him physically. I would say he's probably more a little bit more equipped to handle uh, bigger power forwards than 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 Wancho is. So uh, that's going to be up to Wancho for him to to be able to slow those guys down when he maybe doesn't have the size advantage like he does. Like I said before, I mean on defense when he's that small forward, just the the sheer. Uh, effort alone, it kind of makes him a passable defender because he's got that length uh, to go with it. You don't—that's not necessarily true of power forward. He's going to be have to be more disciplined, um, and he's going to have to, you know. He, there, there are still moments that I've seen. You know, I, I'm trying to think. It was maybe, uh, maybe it was two. It was either two. Maybe it was maybe three games. Might have been the Memphis game when Wancho had a. I mean, he just had a moment in the fourth quarter where he completely missed his rotation late in the fourth quarter. Completely misses rotation out on the on the perimeter and gave an easy layup. Um, you can't have that kind of stuff happen, and and, and if it does, it's going to be Trey Lyles who's still going to get the minutes because that's what we know that's what coach is going to do. Listen, he, it, it's great to have a guy shooting above forty percent for three point, but if he's not going to play defense or if he's struggling on defense, coach is going to go with the guy he trusts every single time. It's good stuff right there. I I I tend to agree it's going to be interesting but it's one of those things where coach needs to stay flexible and and play the guys who are playing well uh rather than sticking with a set rotation sometimes where uh certain players playing poorly on certain nights might come back to bite them so tell you what let's go to a quick break and we will be right back All right, we are back. Nuggets numbers, episode three here. I'm with Zach Mikosh. Uh, we're going to get into some lineup combinations really quickly. Uh, lots of things over the last, over the first few games to talk about. Uh, now, kind of into November, we have a decent lineup uh, sample size that we can really start talking about what works and what doesn't work. Uh, so, Zach, you ready for that? Yep, let's do it. All right, so the right now Denver's most played lineup combination by far has been Tory Craig plus the starting unit. Uh, that's been the starters that that Coach Malone has gone gone with for the past 
uh, every game that Will Barton has not played in so far. Uh, it's played 142 minutes. It's a minus 12 on the year in a kind of traditional plus minus. So kind of goes to show, uh, hasn't been great, hasn't been the lineup that Denver's really been able to rely on to start off games well. The offensive rating for that unit is 96.3. Uh, that's 96.3 points per 100 possessions. Not a great Not number at all. Uh, it would be the worst mark in the NBA, actually. So uh, would that lineup have been fine if Jamal Murray and Gary Harris were hitting their averages from the outside? Um, It would have been a lot more passable. This is also provided, are we also getting Paul Millsap of the past, you know, uh, week and a half and not necessarily the Paul Millsap of the first week and a half of the season. That's the other question that goes into that e- equation as well. Um, and, and probably, I I really like a, a lineup that's running Jokic ball when all four guys can shoot from the perimeter. I think that gives them... Uh, they that just gives them the maximum amount of options and then gives them maximum amount of space to operate in the lane. As you saw, I mean, as you pointed out, when when teams abandoned defending Tory Craig at the three point line, they used that guy uh, to clog up the lane. And when Jokic was was operating in the post, he was there to basically be the help defender on Jokic in the post, um, daring him to throw that kick out uh, to Tory Craig because that was the shot they were willing to give up. If 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 Craig's if it's still shooting like that and everybody else is 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 shooting at their averages you're probably passable but it's still going to look clunky you know it's right. still not going to be great i think i think you need because it, what we're finding out is it doesn't matter if it's Yusuf Nurkic or or Mason Plumley or or Paul Millsap when he's not hitting or even one of your wings like a Tory Craig if you've got a guy who absolutely is zero threat from the outside the the opposition is just going to use him uh, to basically be the double team on Jokic and then and then leave that that option open. So even when <clears throat> even when Gary Harris and Jamal Murray aren't hitting their shots, I mean that just compounds the problem. But even when they're doing that, you still you still are putting it into a less less than ideal situation. I tend to agree. Uh, I usually try to think about these things from a process standpoint rather than a results standpoint. Uh, the fact that Jamal Murray and Gary Harris aren't shooting that well right now is is not great, obviously, for Denver, but it's more of a of a testament, in my opinion, on Denver's ability to generate good looks inside and outside, stuff that's in rhythm, uh, stuff that they're used to hitting. Uh, a lot of their options are screwed up because there's a an extra member in the paint and as we could see in that Milwaukee game that Wancho started the the Milwaukee Bucks were kind of they were almost breathing a sigh of relief when the ball kind of came to Paul Millsap because he was the the worst option from three I would say and it turns out that when Paul Millsap's hitting those shots, he made, uh, he, he made them pay, and he was he was very good from that from that distance. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think that Jamal Murray and Gary Harris will improve their three point percentage with Torrey Craig out of the lineup? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think just that they're going to improve their three point percentage regardless. I don't. They they've been getting a lot of good looks, and they've just been they've just been missing. You know, they they've just. Not not had for whatever reason have been able to get the shots to go down. This is something we've seen with Jamal Murray specifically 
for for every season. He always seems to start out slow. Um, so I think they're going to get back there. Same with Gary Harris. I think I think what we saw at the beginning of the year is far more likely uh, to be the to be the norm than than what we've been seeing this past uh, this past week or so. The thing though is that about um, about Harris is is you know he's a guy who he's got to get back to to using his his dribble penetration skills that he's been that he developed in the off season that was working so well for him in the in the very beginning of the year because. That <clears throat> that's been what um, that's been what kind of gets him through his dry spells during a game. Lately, he's been he's been settling settling for a lot more jumpers, and it um, they haven't been falling for him, and that's why I think he's been struggling on offense. So I see them both getting back. It'll help with Wancho there, just because again you've got the you've got one less uh, or you've got one more defender now. He's got to stay honest. Uh, and, and stay stick with his man out to the perimeter, so that'll keep that spacing, uh, and it'll open these lanes for these guys to work off of Jokic as well. So if they're not if they're not hitting their shot, maybe they don't even have to create for themselves. You know, they can just cut to the lane like Gary's always been good at, and and, and get baskets that way. So I, I think it's going to come back, but I don't know if it's necessarily as much as Tory Craig as just or just really regressing back to the mean. I totally agree. Uh, last one here. Do you think the defense will decline? with Torrey Craig out of the lineup. <clears throat> well, it did the first night, right? I mean, the Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee certainly, <laughs> True. certainly scored plenty of points. And, and, and some of that was, look, I mean, Brooke Lopez was unconscious. There's not much you can do about <laughs> things, the things, <clears throat> I guess, uh, phrases you didn't think you would say in, in 2018, but, uh, that's, that's pretty much what it was right with Brooke Lopez that you're not going to expect that to happen. I don't care what coach says. You can't really game plan for that. Uh, for him to go all Steph Curry like that, uh, you know, and then and then obviously they they struggled to to really stop those guys, but a lot of that was Milwaukee was just on fire. They had, were having one of those nights where all their shots were going down, and, and there was just not much the Nuggets could do. There, it'll be interesting to see because Torrey Craig is is a very stingy defender, and that's been true this year as well. I mean, he has been been very good on that end, and like I said, I think Wancho's one of the guys who really struggles specifically with just understanding where he's supposed to be on defense. And and if, if we've seen that time and time again with this Nuggets team, if the guys just – if there's a breakdown in defensive uh, IQ, then that really starts to hurt him. So um, – it could hurt them. Uh, it could hurt them a bit, but I don't. I don't. I, I'm still waiting to see. I'm hoping it'll get better with Juancho. I, uh, th- I think I agree there. I I tend to think that uh, Craig, being the guy who spends most of the time on the opposing team's primary ball handler, really helped the defense as a whole. Uh, Jamal Murray, as as we kind of saw in that Milwaukee game, not great against the opposing team's primary ball handler in in right, Eric Bledsoe point. or Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, he's he's struggling to take away straight line drives, so that's something to monitor going forward. I think let's let's move into some of the other lineups right now. Uh, one one interesting note that I saw from from the next eleven most played lineups eleven is what else is they were all positive. Uh, Everything else other than the uh, starters with Craig uh, seems over time to have been a positive mark. Uh, that's encouraging for Denver's under- other combinations. Their players are are playing well together in different configurations, and it's something that I think Malone should continue to explore. The top three lineups that they've played in that stretch, uh, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, uh, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, that lineup is still their best lineup 
plus minus wise. Uh, only played 46 minutes. Uh, still great. I think that that's something that Nuggets fans should continue to be excited about. They did play the Clippers and the Suns to open the year, but the Clippers have been decent. The Suns have been awful. Uh, so we'll have to see that going forward, see what happens. Another interesting thing, throw this in the back of your mind for, for future. Uh, that starting lineup with Craig was a minus 12 with 142 minutes played. Now, exchange out Jamal Murray for Monty Morris in that configuration. So you have Morris, Harris, Craig, Millsap, and Jokic. That lineup was a plus 27 in 22 minutes played so far this year. Your thoughts on that? That's uh, that's not bad. I, I think that speaks a lot to what we've, we've been seeing with Monty Morris. He's been... He, like I said, you can't when, – when Isaiah Thomas comes back, you can't bench Monty Morris. You're going to have to find minutes for this guy because he takes care of the basketball. That's why they're plus 27. They don't give up live ball turnovers when Monty Morris is in there. Whereas Jamal Murray, I mean, that's been his biggest – the biggest knock on him this, this season. Even when he scored 48 points against the Celtics – he started off the seat. Uh, he also had five turnovers, most of which in that first quarter, and that really that really put the Nuggets behind early on. Monty Morris takes care of the basketball, and and it, doing that limits the points off of turnovers that the other team is getting, and that's been a huge problem for the Nuggets as well. It was a huge problem against um, Milwaukee, and 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 they're gonna have to they're gonna have to button that up. So. It's not surprising. I mean, that's why you think. I mean, imagine the lineups with with Monty Morris, Gary Harris, Will Barton, uh, Paul Millsap, and, and Nicole Jokic. But that lineup will end up uh, have it could be end up being phenomenal if if we get a chance to see it. But that's gonna be it's gonna be something that coach is gonna have to figure out because, like I said, that and as as the data proves, I mean, Monty Morris is is an absolute positive when he's on the court. Definitely agree with that. Uh... It's, it's something interesting to see going forward. Monty is definitely more of a traditional point guard in, in every term of the word. Not as efficient as you would probably like him in his own scoring, but gosh darn, right. does that guy pass the hell out of the ball and not turn it over. It is, it is an excellent thing to see going forward. Uh, last one here, uh, Murray, Harris, Beasley, Millsap, Jokic. So basically the starters plus Beasley uh, has been plus 26 in 41 minutes. That is also encouraging, I'd say. So if, if Malone is going to different lineups uh, going forward, Beasley has been a, a solid presence in there. All right, we'll, we'll move yep. on to – oh, actually, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the thing that Beasley gives you is he gives you that uh, athleticism from the wing. He lets you, he really lets you run when when he's in there, and especially with guys like Harris and Murray, all those guys are, are wanting to get out and run. And you've got you've got guys like Jokic and Millsap, uh, bigs who can bring the ball up the court, bigs who can pass the ball up the court and get out on the to, to get the break started. Uh, so it's, again, not surprising to see that. That is a, a positive combination because that's a, a, a different – uh, dynamic that they can bring when they've got Malik Beasley in. 100%. Uh, Want to move into three-man trios because I think that there are some interesting points that I want to make here. Uh, one of the three-man trios that was really surprisingly great was Gary Harris, Trey Lyles, and Mason Plumley. They've only played 60 minutes together this year, but they're a plus 31 net rating and with a hmm. with a 75.7 defensive rating. Their defense has been stellar, and the net rating has reflected that. One of the things that I think 
Michael Malone should be tempted to try over the course of the next couple of weeks is to switch uh, Jamal Murray's role and Gary Harris's role. Uh, give Monty Morris some more control of the second unit and play Gary Harris off ball so he can still be a nice scorer in that unit. But that three-man combination, uh, add Monty Morris to that, add Malik Beasley to that, and you have the makings of a really solid bench unit there. I wouldn't be surprised if he rolls that out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah I... Oh, sorry. So I didn't mean to cut you off there, Ryan. I um. So oh, again, good. I mean, no, it talks to we're talking to these guys about being these guys who are positives and and the way they affect the court because they take care of the basketball. They're bringing high energy. Um, I mean, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are really good. Uh, they're a really, really powerful backcourt. They're struggling right now, but those guys, uh, those guys have have a scoring prowess that makes them a problem for every single team. And you add you add players like a Beasley or, or a Morris uh, to that combination of that backcourt, and it really, um, it really opens things up. I love I love the Monty Morris, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray three three guard lineup because it gives it gives basically the ball into Morris and if you can get Jokic in there as well um with either Millsap or Lyles uh you get you get basically you've got two now you've got two playmakers both at your point guard and your center and you're you've got three shooters two of which in Harris and Murray are dynamic uh scorers in, the, in their own right and, and guys who can uh create for themselves so it, it really it makes it tough for the for the defense because they they you now you've got okay you've got Jokic doing one move and and then the defense reacts and then you can go to a counter and maybe that means the ball gets swung around to Morris now Morris is going to operate something in a pick and roll with a guy like Lyles on a, on you know any or a pick and pop or they're gonna they've got a chance to to run they we've seen them run DHOs with with two guards or or run pick and rolls with the two guard sets. Um, they get they get so many different ways counter moves and and encounters to counters that they can do when they add Morris into these to, with Jokic and then with with both their scores that I, I I'm excited I want to see that combo more I think it's something that they, they, in, in certain situations they should close out games uh, with and and certainly when they need when they need a change of pace or they they need kind of a shot in the arm that's something I would look for them to go to. I think that's that's insightful for sure. Uh, last last one little three man combo here before we get into a different thing. Uh, Morris Beasley Hernan Gomez kind of uh, that trio has spent most of their time in an all bench lineup that also features Trey Lyles and Mason Plumley. That lineup is a minus point nine point one net rating over fifty six minutes and the key thing there is an eighty four point five offensive rating. Stop going all bench. Don't do it. Right. It's not. It's not a good thing. It is. It is. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are are decent scorers, especially for a bench unit. Use them. Definitely do not use those three in combination with Trey Lyles and Mason Plumlee going forward. There's just not enough scoring with that with that quintet. Right. Yeah. They. They. Because Trey Lyles has. I mean, we we got to wait to see with Trey Lyles if he can. Um, <clears throat> if he can score more, you know, and, and be a more reliable shooter from the outside. But when he's not, if you remember, I mean, he's one of the guys that was billed as as being a 
a big part of the scoring boost off the bench, especially with Isaiah Thomas not there and now with Will Barton out as well. Um, it's it's really hard uh, if Lyles isn't hitting his shots. Now I agree with you one hundred percent. You know you got to have Murray or you got to have Harris in there, and and they've done a pretty good job of that early on. It seems like he's gone away from it. Coach has gone away from it more um, and gone then with the all bench lineup just because I mean look the bench has been stellar but as you point out right there that's kind of like where uh, where their weakness has been when they don't have at least one starter with them hopefully it'll get you'll see less of that as well because once you get Will Barton back there's another guy who you can mix you could have either Murray Harris or Barton in, in with your four bench players and that gives you uh, that gives you that that score that I think you need uh, to keep them uh, keep them as a positive. All right, fair enough. We are going to move on from that now. Thank you for your help with these lineups. Uh, going to play another game, last last game to wrap things up. It's, it's going to be called What's the Matter with Blank? Uh, instead of What's the Matter with Airplane Food, we're going What's the Matter with Different Scenarios, Things Around the League. Uh, first one I'm going to give you, What's the Matter with Carmelo Anthony and Jeff Bizdelic? What is uh so well I mean well, what's the <laughs> Carmelo Anthony and Jeff Bezdelic? Well, there's some history there. Uh, obviously, as you remember, Carmelo Anthony got Jeff Bezdelic fired essentially uh, way back in 2004 with the Denver Nuggets, and so maybe there's maybe there's something there. I look, I, I think it's more. I mean, Melo is uh, Melo's just washed. I mean, it's just what it is. It, it pains me to say it because I'm I'm, I'm a big time I'm a Melo supporter, but I mean he's done, man. It's just done. It's we, we were talking about this on the pickaxe with Gordon. Uh, it, it's eerily similar how he's following uh, the same path as Allen Iverson, his former teammate. And and now that, like, this is the Rockets are kind of his his version of I, Iverson on the Grizzlies, right? It's pretty much short um, I absolutely listened to that. That's a, that's, a, that's a great listen. Uh, just a quick timeline of events there. Carmelo Anthony is drafted by the Nuggets, plays a few games under Jeff Bizdelic. Bizdelic is fired. Uh, and then Carmelo Anthony leaves after that. And Jeff Bizdelic comes to the Houston Rockets. Carmelo Anthony then comes to the Houston Rockets. Immediately when that's announced, Jeff Bizdelic is he retires. And then when he unretires, Carmelo Anthony leaves. So I think that there may be something behind the scenes there that we're not quite privy to with the public eye. But I think that that, that was just a really interesting timeline of events there. Uh, what's the matter with the Washington Wizards, man? <clears throat> uh, they're, uh, they're finding out how it's really hard to win in the NBA if you have a point guard who doesn't shoot particularly well. Uh, you know, I mean, John Wall is, is a dynamic player, but one of the things that made him so dynamic is his athleticism. He's getting he's getting older. Uh, he's not quite as effective anymore. He's maybe uh, lost some motivation, it somewhat seems like. And and they don't they don't have they don't have enough uh, around him now to to really make um, to be seemingly make a difference. I I mean it's they they've got talented players. Otto Porter is good. Bradley Beal is good. They're both good shooters. I mean Bradley Beal has been been excellent, but John Wall is just I think it, he's he's a point guard who was meant for the two thousands and we're not the two thousand tens and. Uh, we're finally seeing that come to fruition with the Wizards. 
John Wall, never been a particularly good shooter, shooting 30% from three this year, shooting a career low 71.4% from the free throw line. That's just, that's something that he, you can control as a, as a player. And he's just, he just has not been focused, has not been as strong from that distance. Uh, Otto Porter averaging 10.6 points per game. Right. It's a it's very not, low total for, for a starting small forward. Uh, lots, Especially lots going on there. That that's that's going to yeah, absolutely. Uh, last one here, then I'll get you out of here. What's wrong with the Eastern Conference in general? I I, you I, know, know I somewhat disagree probably, with this uh, this question. Yeah, I think nothing I is wrong do. with the Eastern Conference because it's it's exciting again. Listen, the the Toronto Raptors are are really good. Uh, the the Milwaukee Bucks, as we just saw uh, last night, are are really really good. The the Philadelphia 76ers just added Jimmy Butler, so there's 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 tons uh, going on, and you have the Boston Celtics too. There there's four teams now. Four teams, look, I don't think any one of those teams has beaten the Warriors in a seven-game series, but I certainly think they're going to give them a run for their money. Uh, I think any one – I look at – I guess to put the the real test, if, if if LeBron was still in the East on the Cavs, I think any one of, any, one of those four teams could beat them. Um, and, and, and I would actually even think them to be favored. So uh, I think it's exciting to see what we got going on in the East. Now, listen, the rest of it's – uh, the rest of it's kind of garbage. I mean, you got you got Philadelphia or not Philadelphia, uh, the Pacers. Indiana is 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 uh, still still not bad, and and of course, Kemba Walker has been exciting to watch in Charlotte. So I think there's actually a lot going on in the East. I think we're finally going to start to see uh, somewhat of a little bit of a shift, and 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 at least at the top, uh, the home court teams in the playoffs on the East are going to be legitimate teams that you say, yeah, these guys could challenge uh, pretty much anybody in the West with the exception of the Warriors, because let's, let's face it, nobody else in the West is challenging the Warriors either. They're kind of a step above everybody else. You know, what's funny is I, I agree with everything you said. I think that there's, there's a lot of challengers in the East that, that I think are going to be really good this year. You talked about Toronto, Milwaukee, Philadelphia just traded for Jimmy Butler. Boston's going to come back and round into form. But you know what's interesting is that everything statistically says that the Western Conference is still way superior. The West right now is 500 team has 11 500 teams or better. Uh, two of them that aren't are Houston and Minnesota. Houston's going to improve. Minnesota right. should improve, in my opinion. The East, by extension, has just seven. Like, right. like we're talking, like, there's, there's still some... There's still something a little bit iffy going on there. And you talk about, we'll go winning percentages in general. Uh, the West has six teams that are above a 60% winning percentage right now. So like that's that's really the standard where you're a really good team. The East has just three. Uh, Boston right. is, is probably going to round into that form, but the West is still pretty good. And I think that people are, are now that the the East is opened up to non-LeBron teams, people are kind of uh, getting ahead of themselves a little bit on how quality these teams really are. The Nuggets stuck with Milwaukee the entire time uh, yesterday, and 
Milwaukee is supposedly a an Eastern Conference contender now. Supposedly could give Golden State a lot of trouble. I just I just don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't think anybody's giving Golden State trouble. But but we'll Milwaukee's we'll touch on got that. the one guy. I'll say Milwaukee's got the one guy who's going to go at Kevin Durant, uh, pound for pound in, in the NBA. They, you know, so that's that's the the matchup that I think that would get them in, in something uh, something to pause. At least, uh, at least a little bit about, it. and then, yeah, you know, hey, they got Brooke Lopez, uh, three point, three point marksman. <laughs> hey, if 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 anybody in the NBA is going to match Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, man, it's going to be Brooke Lopez. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. We'll tell you, uh, tell you what, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening to Nuggets Numbers Episode 3. Uh, Zach Mikosh here. He's, he's excellent. He's uh, one of the best parts of Denver Stiffs. Uh, just just excellent writing all around, and he's a great leader in-house. You can follow his work on Twitter at Zach Mikosh. Uh, my work, if you so choose, at NBA Blackburn. Zach, do you have anything to plug before you get out of here? Uh, you know, nothing to plug. Just keep on uh, keep on reading at Denver Stiffs. So I appreciate Ryan. appreciate you saving the lies till the end. Um, you're far too good. <laughs> far too kind, sir. Um, but, you know, make sure you guys are checking everything out on Denver Stiffs. Uh, also check out our YouTube channel. And if you have not, you know, if you have not subscribed to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network, I don't know what you guys are doing. Uh, great shows like Nuggets Numbers, Pickaxe Pundits, uh, The Dig, and also uh, Full Court Press. Tons of different content coming up on that podcast network. Tons of different shows week in and week out. So make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe button, leaving us a rating and a review, and we would very much appreciate it. It's crazy. Now we've got two to three podcasts a week on this platform. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun kind of expanding the content window, and, and we're doing big things over at Denver Stiffs. So, again, thank you, Zach, for coming on, and we will see you all next week.